0: You're listening to the Formation Church Podcast. Formation exists to be a safe place for hurting people to find healing relationship with Jesus. For more information about the ministry of Formation in Salt Lake City, Utah, visit our website at formationslc.com. Well, this morning I want to start by talking about the power of listening. You know, listening has been shown to have deep and profound effects for both the person that is being listened to, which is what we assume, but it's also shown to have some pretty profound effects for the person doing the listening. So listening has been shown to make people feel valued. When you listen to me share some part of my story and you really are there and present intently, it makes me feel valued by you. That increases a person's self-esteem. It also increases shared understanding, which strengthens relationship. The act of listening can actually diminish feelings of loneliness and isolation, improving mental health. And that's for the listener. We tend to think, well, what is going to make a person? Like, for the person listening, it actually diminishes feelings of loneliness and fosters a feeling, not just for the person being listened to, but for the one doing the listening, a sense of connection. It can also aid in our personal learning and help a person become more self-aware and open to new ideas. And so listening really just has endless positive effects. And my assumption is we have all had some experience of really being listened to, but I know I personally have experienced this many, many times. For instance, my, my friend Zach, who is one of my best friends, some of you have met him, he's spoke in our church before, he's a clinical psychologist, and so listening is a significant part of his vocation. But I knew him before he was Dr. Sakura, and he was just a dope that shared an apartment with me and lived rent-free, okay? So he's doing just fine now, but there was a point where I was carrying a lot of the weight in that relationship. But, uh, but even before he became a psychologist, he was a great, great listener. And I remember, one of my earliest memories of, of this is talking to him on the phone, right after we found out that Tammy was going to have surgery uh, when she was pregnant with Ava. And I just remember being so stressed and so scared through all of that. And I remember calling Zach and him listening to me through tears as I drove home from work that night telling him about all of this fear and stress. I also remember talking to him when I made the decision to, to start into therapy a few years ago. And I've talked to him many times since as I've worked through so much. He's listened to me talk about ministry challenges. He's listened to me talk about uh, family conflict. He was a very good friend to me through my experience with my mom's cancer. And so in almost 20 years of friendship, we have had countless meaningful uh, conversations. And that being said, here's what really surprised me as I was reflecting on this over the course of the last week. Do you know that I don't recall anything specific he said to me in any of those situations. Not one thing. Like literally, even as I sit here and I think about the many conversations that we've had, I don't remember a single thing he's ever said to me. Now because I know him so well, I'm very certain that whatever he did say was filled with empathy and with wisdom, but I don't remember the specifics of anything he said. What I remember is feeling heard because of the way he chose to listen. And I think there's something really important for us to pay attention to in this. Because when it comes to these types of meaningful conversations that we are after, informative friendships, we may find ourselves at times worried or maybe insecure about not knowing the right thing to say. I I hear that as I interact with people all the time. I don't know, I don't feel comfortable in situations and conversations with people that are really going through a lot because I just, I'm never sure if I'm gonna know what to say. But the truth is, there is often far more power in lending your ear than your words. And this is why Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, quote, The first service one owes to others in the fellowship, meaning the church, consists in listening to them. It is God's love to us that he not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ear. Christians so often think that they must always contribute something when they are in the company of others, that this is the one service they have to remember. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Now, I think what lends so much power to what Bonhoeffer is saying there is remembering the context into which he's writing. And so if you don't know, in Bonhoeffer's mind, when he penned that paragraph, he was writing to Christians who were living in German concentration camps. So i want gonna think about that experience. Like what are you going to say to someone that is experiencing that degree of suffering that's gonna make them feel better about it? Like that's not gonna, you're in a concentration camp. There's nothing you're gonna say that makes it feel better. But what is uniquely meaningful, healing and connecting is listening to someone in that experience. And so today we're going to see Jesus himself model this very behavior as we come back to our story in Luke chapter 24. I've really enjoyed getting to move this. I think this is the slowest I've ever moved through one story before. And I've really enjoyed getting to just sit with one detail or one observation or one insight each week. And so as we rejoin Jesus and these two disciples on the road to Emmaus together, Here's the big idea that I see surface in these verses. Our big idea is this. Listening is one of love's deepest acts. Listening is one of love's deepest acts. You know, in John 13, 35, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And one of the ways that we see Jesus love these two disciples in Luke 24 is just by simply listening to them tell their story of discouragement and disappointment. And so if we are going to love like Jesus, as he called us to in John 13, if we're going to love like Jesus, we have to listen like him as well. And so we're going to jump back into Luke 24. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19 together this morning. And I want to talk about listening prayerfully. Listening prayerfully. So just listen, and then if you aren't familiar with this story, I'm going to fill in some context in just a second. But these are the verses that we want to sit with this morning. In verse 17, Luke says this, Then Jesus asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? He asked them. So again, we are intentionally taking this story in very small chunks. There is value in, excuse me, I just threw up a little apparently, in, uh, it's always awkward when that happens in front of a group of people. There's value in reading a narrative like this in one sitting so that you can understand the overarching scope, but there's equal value in going slow like this and noticing even a single detail each time we come to the text. And so the insight that we need to notice this morning is Jesus' simple but loving decision to listen to these disciples tell their story specifically without rushing to solve their problem. So again, the world that these, as these disciples had known it is gone. Jesus, their Messiah, and their friend had been killed. Three days later, a few of Jesus' closest female disciples come back from a trip to his tomb testifying to an encounter that they say they had with angels and that Jesus had risen from the dead. And sadly, these disciples don't believe them and they are headed back, presumably home to Emmaus in a state of profound confusion and discouragement that we have been labeling as liminality the last few weeks. But one thing that they got right is that they chose to go on this journey together. And so as they walk and they talk, Jesus approaches them and interjects into their conversation. But remember, something about his appearance post-resurrection obscured them from knowing that it was Jesus. And so in their minds, they're just welcoming this stranger, and he invites them to tell their story. He asks, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? Now, how much do you want to bet that Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about? I mean, that's one of the things that we see with Jesus all the time in the Gospels. He constantly knows what is in the heart and the minds of people before they ever verbalize it. So certainly, Jesus already knew what they were talking about. He doesn't ask this question for his benefit. He asks this question for their benefit. Jesus knew that they needed to tell their story. And in response to this question, Luke says they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Now, here's why I think these details are so significant. In response to their obvious discouragement, I want you to notice what Jesus does not do. He doesn't rush to fix anything for them. And think about how easy that would have been for him. All he had to do was be like, ta-da, look, it's me, Jesus, I'm back. And all of their discouragement, all of their disappointment, all of that would have been gone in an instant. Instead of doing any of that, He just patiently holds space for them to be able to verbalize their discouragement. And even when Cleopas is like, are you really the only person that doesn't know what happened? Jesus responds with another simple question that invites him into the open to tell his story. Now I want you to contrast Jesus' response with what we tend to do if we find ourselves in conversations like this. Oftentimes, we rush to one of three responses, platitudes, advice, or avoidance. So Christians especially love to rush to spiritual platitudes in situations like this. So we say things like, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Or when God closes a door, he opens a window, (laughs) which is one of my personal favorites. Please don't ever say that to me. Or we say things like, everything happens for a reason. And the problem with so many, especially the common platitudes that exist in our culture, the big problem is most of them aren't biblical, and as a result, they aren't helpful. For instance, God on the regular gives you more than you can handle. That's like one of his favorite things to do, actually, because he's trying to teach us to position ourselves in such a way that we allow him to carry the more than what we are able to handle. So oftentimes, these platitudes that we rush through, they aren't even true. So they sound trite, and they're dumb, (laughs) and they're not true. And so as a result, we should be very, very slow to respond that way. But other times, we rush to some sort of advice, right? So like, "Here's, here's what you should do in this situation. Here's how you should think about what it is that you're experiencing. Here's how you should feel in this situation. And advice certainly isn't bad. But the reality is more often than not, you know, advice is not really what people need. What they need is to be invited into the open and listened to once they're there. And then finally, oftentimes, we rush to avoidance. So this is what happens when someone else's discomfort makes us feel uncomfortable. And so as a result, we, rather than just sit with the discomfort, we redirect a person's attention away from the discomfort of the situation. We do this with humor. We do this by trying to take the conversation maybe in a less uncomfortable direction or just by denying them our full attention. And what I want you to see in these verses is that Jesus doesn't do any of this. Instead, he just invites it all into the open, and then he listens carefully as they tell their story. And so if we are going to love like Jesus, we have to listen like him as well. And so I want to get super practical for a few minutes, and I want to talk about six tips for listening. Listening is one of the most, maybe the most important relationship skill, and it is like a muscle that has to be developed. And oftentimes we go our whole lives and we're never really taught how practically to listen to people well. And so I want to hit on a few of these things. Some of it is going to sound so, so simple, but I want you to understand there may be nothing, nothing that has the power to radically transform our relationships like learning to listen well. And in the act of developing and learning that skill, we are transformed in the process as well. So let's hit on a few tips for how to better listen like Jesus. Here's the first one. Number one, give the gift of your full attention. Give the gift of your full attention. You know, when a person sits with you and they choose to step into the open and share some part of their story, big part, small part, whatever it is, that is an act of immense generosity and trust every single time it happens. Nobody has to do that. And it can be a very fear-provoking experience. It can be a risk for someone to share some part of themselves with you. And the best way for us to honor that is to give them our full attention. So real practically, put down your phone, turn off the notifications on your watch, close your laptop, put down the iPad, turn off the TV, give them your full attention. You know, it is one of the rarest and most powerful gifts that we can give If you have ever had the painful experience of trying to open up something meaningful with a person, just to have them only partially partially listen, you know how hurtful and how discouraging that is. In fact, I would argue one of the worst behaviors that has become a social norm is checking text messages while we are already in a conversation with someone else. Everyone has done that and everyone has experienced that. You're having, trying to have a meaningful conversation and someone is like, while talking and listening, also checking their phone. It's a horrible feeling. I'm very, very thankful for the immediacy of our ability to communicate these days, but there's a real dark side to it as well. Like some of you won't remember this because you're younger than I am and this is gonna make me sound like super old, but I remember when the only way you could get in touch with someone was by calling the like singular landline in their phone. And every time we were home, my mom just turned the ringer off. So our, basically, if I wasn't in, like, with you physically, we weren't going to be able to talk. And it's nice to be able to get a hold of someone immediately, but just think about how unfortunate it is that, that someone can just insert themselves communi- in regards to communication into our lives at any moment that they want. Some of you, it's happened since you've been here. And so when we sit with someone... It is so, so, so important that we would learn to give the gift of our full attention. I would argue that it is better to be totally absent than partially attentive because of the harm that it can do. So give the gift of your full attention. Secondly, grant people space without interruption. Grant people space without interruption. There may be no quicker way to make a person feel like you don't care And that you're not listening than interrupting them or trying to talk over them. And some of our biggest social issues really stem from forgetting the very simple and important lessons we teach our kids. And and one of those is the importance of, of taking turns, right? Like, you've probably seen kids, two little kids, like fighting over the same toy. And when that happens, as a parent, you say, like, you have to take turns. And conversations demand that we take turns. When I speak, you listen. When you speak, I listen. Furthermore, if a person that you're talking to has something like ADHD, for instance, even the slightest interruption can steal their train of thought and completely derail their ability to express themselves. So just simply grant people space without interrupting them. Thirdly, don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Sometimes, as an attempt at conveying empathy and understanding, we will turn attention off of the other person's story and onto our story. And so we say things like, Oh, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're feeling. And then we proceed to interject our own story. Now, I believe that much of the time, the intention in that is a good one. We want to display empathy. But two things. Number one, Just because you have had a similar experience to another person does not in any way mean you know exactly how they're feeling. That is one of the most destructive things that you can say, oh, I know exactly how you're feeling. No, you don't. We never know exactly how another person is feeling. And so we need to be very careful about using that kind of language. Secondly, everyone needs the opportunity to share their own story without having it hijacked so that you can tell yours, while they are in the middle of theirs. And so shared experience that we've had can be very encouraging. Wanting someone to know, hey, I've been in a similar situation to that. I have some sense of what it is like to walk through a situation like that. But it's very important that we pay attention to what is it that actually drives us to interject our story. It could be because we're trying to nurture that sort of empathetic connection. But it could be that we're just kinda narcissistic and we like when the attention's on us. And so don't make it about you. Fourth, this one's real hard for me. Don't rush to fill silence. Don't rush to fill silence. This has been a massive place for me over the last couple of years of trying to grow. Especially when I started doing spiritual direction with people, it was so hard for me to just allow space for silence. And I remember one time in particular sitting with someone early on, and after about 30 minutes, I kind of started to have that sense, like, it really feels like our conversation has run its course. It's coming to an end. And the person that I was sitting with had just finished a thought, and then they were just silent, silent. And the silence after a while, like, was really starting to make my skin crawl. And they seemed so uncomfortable, and I started to feel so uncomfortable. And the one thing that was clear was we were having a very awkward shared moment together, And and just as I was about to jump in and fill the silence, they started to speak again about what ended up being the deepest part of their experience at that time. But had I jumped in and filled that silence like I'm prone to do and I'd done a hundred times before, it would have hijacked that moment. The silence is the space in which God gets to speak. Silence allows space for a person to to form and to make sense of their thoughts or their feelings. Silence is an an opportunity for someone to really fight for the courage to further step out into the open. And so don't rush to fill silence. Number five, don't look for problems to solve. This seems to be particularly a, a male issue, so let's just camp here for one second. Don't look for problems to solve. Listening well, requires that we come to a conversation with the right posture. And the posture of deep listening is one of really desiring to understand. The goal isn't to fix everything. The goal is to connect with God and one another in the midst of it. So whether it's a friend in your life, whether it is your spouse or your formation group, tell yourself as you go into and you're in the midst of a conversation, I don't need to fix anything. I just need to give my full attention, my full presence, and listen intently. Sometimes our drive to fix and to solve people's problems is really about wanting to help for the good of the person. Oftentimes, it's because we just want the discomfort of the situation in our experience to go away. So the quicker I solve this, the quicker I feel better. So it's sort of about you. It's really about me. So as we come to these conversations don't look for problems to solve and then lastly draw people out with helpful questions draw people out with helpful questions good questions create space and they give permission to a person to further explore their story and to further explore what it is that god is doing in and around them so a couple of examples might be something to the effect of as they've told you something well, what was that like for you? What feelings did you experience in the midst of that? How did you experience God or not in the midst of that experience? What happens when you pray about that? What questions did that experience raise for you? Any or all of these questions invite a person to explore their experience just a little more deeply, and we need this help Because so often, most of us are not very accustomed to exploring our experience. Oftentimes, life just happens to us, and we go through it, and our souls just suck in more and more loss, more and more grief, more and more stress, more and more hardship, more and more experience, and we never really take the time to stop, to open that all up, and to submit that to God. And so we need to learn to help one another do just that by drawing one another out with helpful questions. From Jesus, we learn that listening is one of love's deepest acts. But here's where I want to close this portion of our time together this morning. As we learn to sit in the open and to listen deeply to one another, we are also invited to prayerfully listen to God. Writer and spiritual director Ruth Halley Barton writes this, transforming community, or what we would call formative friendship, involves being present to the person that we are listening to, yes, but even more importantly, being present to God on the other's behalf. We are listening for God's desire or guidance for that person, for what, that, what God's guidance or desire for that person might be, not what our best advice might be or how we can be most helpful. So I really want you to hear this. It is neither your responsibility nor is it our place to be anybody else's Messiah. We can't save anyone, and more often than not, we can't actually solve most of the problems that people have. In fact, if we aren't careful, we may find ourselves trying to remove problems in people's lives that Jesus has actually allowed for the purpose of meeting them in the midst of it. And so before we ever say anything. We just commit to listen prayerfully to what this person is saying in front of us and to what God might want to convey through us to them. Listening is one of love's deepest acts. And so let's pray and ask the Spirit to help us to listen and to love through listening like Jesus.